The advice in this podcast is general in nature and does not constitute medical advice. Always consult your doctor if you are concerned about your child's health. We recommend always following the safe sleep guidelines. In the spirit of reconciliation, Dr. Fallon and Dr. Law acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and the continuation of cultural, spiritual and educational practices of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. They pay respects to their elders past and present and recognise that sovereignty was never ceded. Parenting a baby, a toddler or a preschooler requires you to constantly have to make decisions, especially when there are new or challenging behaviours happening. Often as parents, we have to think, is this something I surrender to? Should I just go with the flow? Or is this something where I need to dig my heels in a little bit and maybe uh, nudge my baby or toddler towards a different behaviour? Um, It's an internal struggle that I think all parents have, and it's particularly difficult during those first few years of parenting our little ones. It's like we're constantly trying to find the right balance, Um, and it does get a little bit easier with practice. Um, You're listening to Brand New Little People. I'm your host, Dr. Fallon Cook, and I'm here with my bestie, Dr. Laura Conway. (laughs) And this episode is all about choosing your battles. Laura, you've had a few battles with your parenting. (laughs) journey I (laughs) tell us about one of them I sure have and I I think earlier on I was saying to you Fallon about how when I was first um, referred to as mum by the maternal and child health nurse I kind of looked over my shoulder wondering where that (laughs) mum was looking for my mum and realizing oh it's me um so yep it's you you're gonna put those parenting pants on and get to work yeah so it's a real shift in your identity when you become a parent um and yep there's the uh, questions about whether yeah should I um just go with the flow or is this something I really need to make a um, a change to and yeah I have had lots of those um experiences in my years of parenting um and in relation to sleep um one of my babies um, really struggled to sleep, go to sleep independently um, when they were small, and I had to uh, resettle them many times overnight. And I surrendered mm. to it initially, and you know I thought this is just something I need to um, work with. I need to keep going. I didn't really. It was before I worked in sleep, and I didn't realise that you could improve things. Um, Mm. But then there came a time when I started a new role at work. Um, It required higher levels of concentration, um, Mm. which this were not available to me when I was so sleep deprived. And at that point, I realized that I needed to, this was a battle I needed to choose to take and engage in. Um, And obviously it wasn't a battle, but, you know, if we think about choosing our battles, I needed to take charge. Um, And I was able to... um, Uh, take a little bit of a leave for a week or so from work and just really work um, supportively with my child um, to help them sleep better. Yeah. Mm. Look, there's so many battles like that, I think, in the the first years. And what always amazes me is, you know, when we become parents, we're really just caught up. It's almost like we're trying to keep up with our babies and just respond to them and do all the things, learning all these new things as well. And often there comes a point where it sort of clicks and we go, oh, okay, we, we've actually got a bit of a say in how how <laughs> we parent, how we drive this whole operation forward. Yes. And often parents in clinic are 
almost a bit surprised by that. And I feel like it's almost um, a bit of a parenting rite of passage where we start to go, oh, yeah, okay, if they, you know, in your case, if if my toddler is needing a whole lot of hands-on support to fall asleep, I can actually make a decision to change that. And often parents yes. are like, oh, really? Like I can, I can make yes. that decision, decide it's one of our goals, and then gently work towards it because – so many parents feel like, you know, oh, I just have to just do whatever my toddler wants. And, um, you know, they're just following their baby or their toddler's lead all the time. And obviously there's a place for that. But very, very slowly over the first few years, there's a little bit of a shift happening where as parents we get to make some decisions and start to, you know, sometimes we have to gently nudge them in the right direction. Um, mm. And sometimes that's really obvious things like, um, you know, for example, if you've got a toddler who hates putting on their seatbelt, well, you're probably going to um, really step into your parenting <laughs> role on that one. You're not going, you know, no matter how much of a tantrum they have when they go in the car, it's not something yep. that you're going to back down on. It's you've got to wear your seatbelt. No. It becomes about safety. Um, but I think yes. with things like sleep, it's often a much blurrier line and it's kind of about, well, yes. is it working for you anymore or is it something yes. that you you know, really need to, to change. Um, yes. And I think mm. when, when your baby is very small, there's, um, when you're, when you are just a new parent and you're just getting used to it, um, there are some things around your baby's sleep that you probably will just surrender to. Oh, um, so many things. You get handed that tiny so baby and it's like, you just throw your hands up in surrender. <laughs> Yeah. What do you need? I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, one of those things might be um, that you may have a baby that feeds f needs to be fed frequently overnight. And that's perfectly normal. Some babies will mm. feed more frequently than others. And it's not something that you can change. It's no point battling with it when you've got a very yeah. young baby. Surrender to it. They yes. need to be fed overnight. And, and that's hard for some parents. We definitely get some parents of very young babies who come to us and say, I just need them to sleep through the night. Can I sleep train them? And we're like, well, how old are they? <laughs> Four weeks old. <laughs> no. Yeah. no. No, you really need to just surrender a little bit. This is going to be hard for a little while, you know. And it's, I think as parents, especially when we're used to having a lot of control over our time and what we do, being handed a newborn where you have to surrender and just go with the flow on so many different aspects of their, um, you know, of that early parenting, it's really jarring and really challenging. Um, and yeah. then we get yeah people on the other end of, of things where they've got older babies or toddlers and they're still surrendering to everything and ending up yes. in all sorts of hot water. Um, yeah, like where um, toddlers sometimes we say a sometimes get a bit of a, a habit of wanting to rule the roost and they want to have a lot of power and a lot of say in things. Mm. Um, and that's not always safe or possible. Um, mm. You know, talking about that seatbelt yeah. example is a good one. But um, even things like, you know, holding your hand when crossing the road, a lot of toddlers don't want to do it, but they just have to, even if they really don't yeah. like it. It's just what has to happen. Um, yeah. I think we see that a lot with the sort of bedtime stalling behaviours in toddlers too. Um, there are times when parents feel too frightened to push back against the things that their toddler's requesting at bedtime. But it is entirely reasonable to, you know, have a bit of a think about what should be in that bedtime routine, what things mm -hmm. will we surrender to. Um, so if your child wants to say goodnight to every teddy in their room, maybe you just let them do it, even if it does take five <laughs> minutes. It. If it's going yeah. to mean that they're ready for sleep, let's surrender to that one and let it go. Um, 
But you know, but if they want to, uh, they want to go next door and say good night to the neighbours on either side. That'd be a bit too much. Then that's perhaps, yeah, you would probably draw the line. Yeah, I've had some toddlers who, um, you know, all tucked in, just about to go to sleep, and they're like, "I'm hungry. Can I have a sandwich?" And then their parents go yes. and make them a sandwich with whatever toppings yes. they want. Um, yes. And that toddler's learned, okay, I've got a lot of control here and mum and dad are mm-hmm. willing to really just do whatever, whatever I want, you know, they're going to do it. And that's where the balance can get a little bit out of hand. Um, we get a lot of shenanigans mm-hmm. happening at bedtime. And as a parent, I, ju- I think I just want parents to know that you do get to have some power and some say in how these things go. You can still be a loving, kind and gentle parent, but have some boundaries around, well, maybe we'll say goodnight to the toys, but no, I'm not going to make you a ham and cheese toasted sandwich with tomato relish. (laughs) That's a bit much. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Or if you have um, a parent of a a uh, very little baby, you might um, say, okay, baby loves to sleep on me. I'm going to let baby have some contact naps on me you know mm. they're just little in the first three months it really doesn't matter where they sleep but you need to draw the line at um lying back on a recliner chair mm. whilst the baby sleeps on you because that's not safe it's very in case dangerous you fall asleep and the baby falls off you or if you were to sleep on you you were to be on a sofa for example and your baby's beside you um, then mm. that's dangerous. And so at that point, you would say, no, OK, that's not something. Yeah, that is that's a good, a good idea point, Laura, that even at a really young age, there might still be some things, some boundaries that you hold, you know, in order to, mm. to keep things safe um, and on track. Yeah. And I think especially if you've got um, <clears throat> if you've got a toddler running around. Um, it might be that you really need to settle your very little baby in their cot for their naps because you just don't have enough hands to manage your toddler um, and do contact napping. Um, So you might make the decision, okay, well, my baby doesn't love their cot. You know, they're pretty cranky when I put them there, but I'm just going to support them with that and give them lots of help to feel safe and calm there. Um, Even if they don't like it, we're going to persist with it and really help them adjust to it because overall for the family, that's what's going to work best. Um, so that's yeah, and that baby of... might be uh, might be safer away from the uh, the raging toddler as oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. So there's definitely examples where you'll dig your heels in a little bit as a parent. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, but at other times you will just um, go with the flow until the time is right to to make mm. those changes. So I think as a parent, it's um, it's something that you will be constantly thinking about. And I think when it comes to sleep and settling in particular, we think about that quite a lot simply because often babies and toddlers like to have a lots of supports when they fall asleep. Um, for some families, that's fine. It's, you know, it doesn't kind of exceed your threshold. You know, you can manage to mm-hmm. wake up a few times per night and help them back to sleep. Um, but if that's turning into an excessive number of nighttime wake-ups, you're not coping with it and you know that, you know, a lot of their waking is because they're having all these supports to fall asleep. It's perfectly reasonable um, to make a call and say, look, there's nothing wrong with my child's cot. They're safe. They're warm. They're loved. I'm there with them. You know, you might give them a heap of hands-on support and really nurture them as they make that transition. Um, you're fully, you know, able to make that call as a parent, knowing that it's overall for the betterment of your child's sleep and also your own sleep. Um, so if you're feeling yeah. a little bit like you're being pushed and pulled around, take a deep breath and just have a think mm. about what's likely to work best for your family. Um, 
and and I think take it from there. And it will be that bit of trial and error, I think, in so many things. Yeah. I think back on my parenting and I think, oh, there's times I dug my heels in and I think I probably didn't need to. Um, yes. And then there's other things I think, gosh, I can't believe I let them get away with that. <laughs> And I swear, with the more children you have, the more you let them get away with, too. <laughs> yeah, you really do go, I'm going to pick my battle. And, yes. Um, yeah. And I don't want any today. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes it's just not worth the stress. I think another really good example is with um, potty training, toilet training toddlers. Um, I know oh, yeah. with one of mine, they were just really, really reluctant. And at first, I just wanted to dig my heels in. I was like, I just want to get this done. You know, you get a bit over changing nappies after a certain mm. amount of years. Um, and I was pushing and trying to make this thing happen and then eventually just went, no, let's just surrender to this one. They're not ready. Mm. I can keep pushing, but I'm going to have a horrible few months trying to make this happen. Instead, I was able to just go, well, we're just leaving that for now, totally taking a break mm-hmm. from it, try it again probably another couple of months. It's all a bit of a blur now. But then it was fine. And so that's yeah. you know, there's a, the right time um, for some things. Um, so if you do mm. try to change something and you think, hang on, this just feels way too hard, um, you can dial it back and approach yeah. it at a different time. And that's that's all part of the parenting journey. There's no failing. There's just learning. Learning and learning yeah. and learning. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, and mm. when it comes to if you've chosen to work on cot settling, for example, um, generally in you'll read in Son Bell that we suggest giving it a red hot go. Um, mm. Whatever um, approach you choose, read the steps um, really well so you've got a good, clear understanding of what you're going to be doing um, and then use that approach um, consistently and persist with it for um, you know a, a good few days if I you say can. a week I'm tougher than Do you, you say <laughs> yeah, like, you are a week. tougher <laughs> um, and uh, yeah it will also depend on the age of the baby and yeah. your own mental health um, and uh, yeah so let's say up to a week and then if you're really finding that it's just not working for you mm. you can either pause and go all right let's kind of what you did with the potty training mm. let's just um wait a little bit and try again in another mm. whatever time frame you like um and then kind of get all your ducks in a row before you start again or you can look to see is there a different approach that you could use yeah um but you always want to make sure that you have given any approach that you have chosen a red hot go before mm. you um, stop doing it because it's chopping and changing is the worst thing that you can do. Yeah, yeah. And Two I days of one approach, oh, one day yeah. of another. Oh, it's so confusing yeah. for them. And doesn't that just stand for anything you're doing as a parent, any decision you make for your child? apply it consistently because if you constantly chop and change what you do especially in toddlerhood if the rules are changing a lot then they think great I can push back against these rules or so-called boundaries I know how to push those boundaries out with mom or dad um, or any caregiver when I need to um, and that's when mm. you often see and it's not that they're being naughty they're just trying to figure out how the world works they're just going well yeah. can I change how this happens if I get mm. really cranky or yeah very natural part of human behaviour and development to to have a, a push on those boundaries. Um, we've had some great questions come in this week, Laura. I thought maybe we would yeah. start 
with this um, message that came in from Adele and David. Um, they start by saying, thanks for helping us feel like we aren't alone, particularly as first-time parents. And, gosh, mm. I love that. It can feel a bit yeah. lonely at first. So that's really lovely feedback. Um, they say, our baby is now nine months old and still feeds to sleep with mum or walks to sleep with dad. Um, they wake two-hourly overnight and they say they're tag-teaming, so they're just surviving. <laughs> oh, oh, it is dear. pretty tough, two-hourly wakes. Um, They say we've had some improvements where he has slept for some three-hour windows at night, but these have been easily brought undone by sickness. They say, yeah, Yeah. they've checked off all the sleep factors and feel that without working on cot settling, they can't expect a significant change. Mm. Look, I think Mm. you're spot on. You've really, you've done the right thing. You've really thoroughly worked through Sombal. You've looked at all the different factors. You've checked them all off the list. And it probably is that cot settling um, that's that's kind of getting in the way of better sleep, given that your baby's nine months old. um, Usually by that age, if they're having a lot of support to fall asleep, it's pretty common that they just keep waking up thinking where did you go get back in here how very dare you (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah um so then they're going to say we've tried to associate patting shushing and humming um while feeding him to sleep because we know this should ease his transition to then you know eventually falling asleep in his cot but Mm. he hates being touched and pushes their hands away um, so mm. they feel like the shushing and humming isn't really making a big difference and he's not, not wanting the padding, um, keeps trying mm. to push them away. He can stand up but not get out of the cot. Um, sorry, he can stand up but he doesn't know how to lie himself back down in the cot. So they're afraid of him hurting himself if they're sort of leaving him standing. And then they say, we don't have the courage to attempt another method. What should we do? Oh, it's really tough, Adele and David. I think there's been a lot of parents in your position before, though, and you absolutely will get through this. Laura, I feel like this is a perfect example of what we were sort of talking about earlier, where it's all about that push and pull. Do we surrender to this Mm. and just go, oh, well, this is what it is, or are we ready to take action, put the parenting pants on, as we say, mm-hmm. and come up with a plan and just keep sticking to it until things improve. Um, and yeah. I think that is a decision no one can make for you. It's something that mm. you have to really decide. Are we at a point where we're really ready to make some big changes or will we, we let this keep going on a little bit longer? Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, look, they're they're describing themselves as just surviving Mm. and really that's that's a really sad place to be um when you've got a nine month old and really you want to be um able to enjoy this infancy with your baby and feel refreshed and good Mm. yeah yeah so uh, i think it would be wonderful for adele and david to get out of that survival mode that they're in at the moment and they're I'd say that they're quite right that they have pinpointed that things are not going to change unless they work on cot settling um and their baby nine months old um would be getting quite heavy now I imagine Mm. um and I suspect that David may well be getting a sore back from walking the baby to sleep um and Adele must be pretty exhausted feeding to sleep because that's nine months of relentless Mm. um 
need to be with the baby to yeah. feed them to sleep. Yeah. Um, so it's having a big toll on to- parent well-being then, a really yes. significant toll on your well-being, um, but also your baby's well-being as well. If sleep is really fragmented, often they're just not quite as uh, ready for the day or something. They mm. Often when sleep improves, parents say, oh, they're like far more settled and they get more out of the day and they're happier and... So it could be getting to a point where despite you doing what your baby wants um, you to do for them to fall asleep, it's not actually working out in the best way possible for your baby. Sometimes it starts to Mm. really impact um, their own functioning as well. Um, So there's Mm. lots of reasons there to change. Look, I, I get it. Sometimes facing these things can feel really scary when you've got a a baby who pushes back really hard. I mean, he doesn't even like the patting. (laughs) You know, he he just wants things a very particular way to fall asleep. Um, I think in the fact that he doesn't like the patting, that might actually be pushing you towards an approach that you maybe haven't considered. Maybe it's time for, um, of course, I can't think what on earth it's called now, a supported accelerated Supported accelerated. (laughs) It's come back to me now. Um, it might be that the easiest way to do this is to be present with him and just work on cot settling with lots and lots of hands-on support. Stay present with him. Um, be right there with him to support him because if you're there beside the cot um, and you are you know, giving reassurance, occasional pats, um, cuddles along the way, you can be really confident that he's not feeling frightened or worried about being in his cot He's just mad Mm. because you're not settling him quite (laughs) the way he's used to. What I would be thinking about is he's probably going to have some settles that are definitely challenging where he might be really, really cross and cranky about how you're doing things, but it will really quickly improve. And that's the key. It might only be a few challenging settles and then it's easy. And I... I, if I had a dollar for every time parents emailed me to say, we were so scared about starting this approach. And then here we are two days later and it's like everything's changed. Everything's wonderful. Yes. You know, the lights have come back on in our world again. And it was yep. so much easier than we ever thought it would be. Um, so that yes. is so often the case. So I think let those words be ringing in your head, <laughs> Dal and David, when you do go to work on cot settling. I'd definitely look at the supported accelerated approach. Um, that's probably your best bet because he's telling you that he doesn't really enjoy a lot of padding. Um, so just doing something a bit more intermittent might be a good idea. Um, it still allows you to stay really present um, while he makes that adjustment and maybe building lots of supports around yourself if you can for the first few days while you're working on cot settling. If you don't have family who can come and help, um, you know, it might even just be that you go, yep, we're going to cook some meals ahead of time or we're going to get Uber Eats for a few days. Um, mm-hmm. Anything you can think of to just make it a bit easier because once he makes that transition, I think you both already know he's going to, things are going to drastically improve and you won't regret it. <laughs> You'll be really glad yeah. you did it. Um, Absolutely. But, you know, you've got to take your time, find the time that's going to work best for you um, and then dive in and give it yeah. a week. And so just and remember, Adele and David, that you say that you, you feel that you don't have the courage to attempt another method. If you do um, take Fallon's recommendations, which I fully support, um, you need the courage for probably two tricky days and nights. Yes. So yeah. you're not, don't think that this is going to be something you're going to be doing forevermore. 
and it's going to mm. be it's going to be lasting forever and ever and ever and it just feels like this enormous thing no you're harnessing some courage yeah. to do something that is really important for your baby and for the two of you um and two possibly three nights that may be a bit tricky and then you just won't believe yourself and you'll be one yeah. of these families that sends us those lovely emails won't yes. she <laughs> Alan, saying oh my it. god yeah it yeah. wasn't that bad after exactly. all and i can't believe it yeah, yeah i think you're right i think a lot of parents think oh it'll be tricky tricky settling forever and it absolutely won't be that supported accelerated approach is fantastic because it's actually giving your baby the skills to learn what to expect from you at bedtime and it is really designed to tap into their ability to learn so usually within a couple of settles they understand you're always there that you are a calm and persistent presence that there are opportunities for pats and for cuddles and once they realize, okay, they're really persisting with cot settling, they just kind of go, okay, well, I'm safe, I'm warm and I'm loved and this is okay. Um, and yeah, mm. it might be a couple of tricky settles until that happens, but you're implementing a strategy that is designed to support them so they understand that they're okay and they are safe and they're loved. Um, and I think in, in your case, it sounds like it's going to be really important for everybody's well-being. So yeah, be brave and dive in and we really look forward to hearing how you go um yeah. laura do you want to read out the next question we've got we've got one yeah from so we've got uh yeah i've got a question from lucinda um who says i have a 14 month old who loves the dummy and uses it for sleeping i'm not looking to remove the dummy now but do you have any advice on the right time to remove the dummy and strategies for doing so it's a very strong sleep tool in our house yeah, oh, I love yes. dummies. Dummies can be yeah. so handy for sleep. And I know there are people out there who say, oh, you've got to get rid of the dummy or they'll never sleep well. That's nonsense. Um, yeah. Babies can form and toddlers can form such a strong attachment to their dummy. I want you to think about it as being like a beloved teddy bear that they just absolutely love and that brings them comfort because that's the role the dummy is playing it's something they're really attached to and draw enormous comfort from so i would say once they're past well if they've formed an attachment with it let them keep that attachment until they're ready mm. to get rid of it going forward i would just be thinking about trying to limit the dummy just for sleep so that when they're starting mm -hmm. to develop language they can develop language without having the dummy in the way um, so keep it for sleep and I usually tell families, be prepared for it to hang around until maybe they're two and a half or getting closer to three. Wait for that mm -hmm. point where they are ready to understand why they need to give up the dummy. The best way to do this, I think, um, you know, would be using either the dummy fairy or maybe it's that Santa Claus is going to come and collect the dummy to give to the new babies. And in exchange, they get a lovely new soft toy um, that they can cuddle when they're missing their dummy. And usually, you, you know, you wait for them to be really ready for that when they understand the logic behind it. Um, they might still be a little bit sad, but um, but they've got that toy to cuddle and within a couple of days they're, they're over it. If you try and take it away early, it's really, really challenging. And I actually think it's a little bit unfair on them um, to mm. suddenly just not have this thing that has been such a key part of them being able to um, calm down, downregulate and get off to sleep. Um, so, yeah, sorry, that was a long-winded answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, good, and I think you covered everything, Fallon. <laughs> so, um, yeah, good luck, Lucinda. We do have some lessons um, on weaning 
off the dummy or dropping the dummy um, in the Sombell program, um, particularly the toddler program, which I assume is the one that Lucinda has since um, your baby's 14 months old. Um, so, um, yeah, have a good read of that. Um, and, yeah, I wouldn't be in any rush, like Fallon says. Um, whilst it's, it's a strong sleep tool, then you keep that tool handy. Yeah, uh, yep, yeah. exactly. Why, why get rid of it, really? Yeah, um, um, Rachel, shall I read out the next? Or do you want oh, to read yeah. it? Or? Yeah, I'll read it. Yep. <laughs> okay, off Rachel emailed us because her baby is very distracted during feeds and it's almost impossible to get a good feed into him during the daytime without feeding him off to sleep. She would like to know, would it be reasonable to just aim for cot settling at nighttime and feed him to sleep for naps during the day? Or would that be confusing for him? She says, if we do this, my hope is that he'll get adequate daytime calories, but hopefully nights will be better for everyone. And I'll just add to this that he's his weight gain's fine. You know, he's, do, he's doing well. What do you think, Laura? Mm. Um, as a general rule, um, we advise parents to use the same cot settling approach at nighttime and during the day because that is much less confusing for babies. However... In this instance, it's not that uncommon, um, Rachel, for um, some babies. Sorry, <laughs> I just had a call come through. Um, <laughs> Rachel, it's um, it's not that uncommon for um, really, particularly those FOMO babies that we've talked about in earlier episodes to mm. just be so distracted um, that yeah. um, it's trying to get them to um, have a good feed during the day is really hard. Um, so what I would suggest um, is to just see how you go, Rachel. Just, you know, some there are some sleep um, mm. practitioners out there who do say um, you can work on nighttime sleep first and then see if it generalizes to the daytime. And let's give it a go, Rachel. See if you mm. use the cot settling at nighttime. Continue to feed him to sleep during the day. If um, it goes well, then awesome. Um, and if it doesn't go well um, and you're finding that he's not adapting to cot settling at night either, yeah, then you, you know really why. need to make that. Yeah, you know why. And um, then you'll need to use the same approach during the day as well. Do you think yeah. that's reasonable, Fallon? Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Give it a try. Might work for you. But if it doesn't, then, yeah, you know what to do. Um, Amanda would like to know what we think about bassinets that automatically rock when babies cry. We all know oh. what we're thinking about here. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Mm. Um, so the bassinets that automatically rock um, for families that don't know what they do is um, when you pop the baby down into the cot, they um, often will play music and they will rock and the amount of rocking and the volume of the white noise can increase um, until the baby calms down and then the rocking kind of weans off. Um Look, generally, I would be suggesting that parents don't spend money on buying mm. one of these expensive bassinets. Um, some um, babies become really very, um, uh, they become so used to falling asleep with the rocking that mm. they then find it very hard when they have the transition to the cot to be mm. able to go to sleep without that rocking. Um, and so it can create a sleep association that is really hard to replicate or impossible to replicate on moving to um, a cot. Um, 
So if you haven't bought one, I wouldn't be recommending you buy one now. Mm. Fallon, what, what are your thoughts on them? Yeah, I would say if you have if you have no family support, no hands-on support, and you are not coping with the demands of early parenting and you just really feel like you're at the end of your tether and someone says, hey, do you want to lend this thing or hire one of these things and see how it goes? Maybe, maybe it'll just be a way of just getting through. But I don't mm-hmm. think it should be the first port of call. Um, I, I think about you know, the content in the Sombal program for really little babies, the zero to three month old ones. And that's very much focused on supporting them to be able to fall asleep in a cot. Um, if that's your goal, there's strategies in that um, program um, to really help you do that in a nurturing and supportive way. And it might be, I mean, look, little babies usually pretty quickly get used to falling asleep on a firm surface, like in a bassinet or a cot. Um, so I feel like parents are better off if they can just putting in that little bit of effort in the early months to get cot settling happening. And then you just simply wouldn't need, um, one of Mm. those very expensive tools. So no clear right or wrong, but, um, I don't think parents should feel like they've got to go out and spend a lot of money. Mm. Um, you know, you can just develop your skills and your baby's skills in, in cot settling instead. Um, and Amanda also asked whether, um, protein at lunchtime can help babies sleep through the night and should protein at dinner time be avoided until nine months of age because it can affect digestion and sleep. That's such an interesting question. We both jumped on Google, didn't we, Laura? Yeah, we (laughs) did. Had a bit of a search. We found a few people suggesting that this is the case and they didn't provide any references, any scientific references at all. So... I can only so we did hop that, on. We did hop on PubMed as yes, well, didn't we, to try we to did. find the scientific yeah, yeah. references. So, so when they yeah. didn't reference what they were saying with some actual, um, you know, evidence-based articles, it kind of leads us to believe that it's probably just something they've heard or something they've thought of. We checked um, on PubMed, which is a repos- repository of scientific papers, and we couldn't really find anything in our quick search. If someone's got a great paper out there that's actually looked at this, or whether there's a, a link, we would love to hear it. So um, yeah, definitely. definitely email in and let us know. But I would say um, it's not something to worry about. All right, we have had such an awesome chat today and I hope parents have found this really helpful. And I'm so excited to announce something. I've been biting my lip all of this episode, Laura, because (laughs) we've had a lot of feedback from parents and we always listen to parents and what they're needing and wanting. And I'm really excited to say that we have now gone live with offering coaching calls to our Sombell members. And this is really (laughs) super cool because it means if you're doing Sombell and you hit this hurdle or maybe you're trying to look at your sleep diary or you're trying to pull together your sleep plan, you're feeling really confused or unsure, um, you can now book in for a 25-minute coaching call with me. It's a one-on-one thing. It's not a group thing. It is personalized. Um, We can have a bit of a chat. We can look at your diary together and work out what the next step should be. That's currently live and available. Look for the little tab on the left-hand side that says book a coaching call. Um, I'm so excited to start meeting with people. It all kicks off um, in January, but you can book in right now. And I think this is going to be fantastic for those parents who say, oh, I want help now, so I really want to join Sunbell, but I really want to talk to someone as well. Now you're going to have the best of both worlds, and I'm really excited to see um, how that goes. It also means you skip the uh, cues for the clinic because I think my next available appointment is late Feb. Um, so it yeah. is a good way to 
um, get in and have a chat to us a bit earlier. So if you're needing help with sleep and settling in your baby or toddler, um, check out the Sombell program. Oh, the other thing I haven't mentioned, Laura, is our huge summer sale. We currently have 30% off all of our programs. It's such a huge percentage. Um, But our clinics are full, like I said, and we're having some time off over Christmas and we wanted to give parents an affordable option to get support over that Christmas period when so many families aim to get sleep and settling sorted while they've got Mm -hmm. um, family around and a bit of support. And it is a a brilliant time to work on sleep and settling. Um, So we're running this sale so that that parents can join up um, and get on board with that. And if you're wanting a coaching call, then yeah, you're going to get it. So yay, exciting times. Yeah, really (laughs) exciting, really exciting times. Uh, And I also just extend a huge welcome to all the new families who've joined us recently. Um, We absolutely love you guys. And thank you to all the people who have emailed us. It's another week, Laura, with so many beautiful emails from families. And it means the world to us. So, you know, let us know if you're having a wonderful time with the Sombell program and have some really cool um, bits of progress you've made with sleep or settling. We'd absolutely love to hear it. So do email us in. Yeah, it makes our day. Thanks, everyone, for listening. All right. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. If you need help with your baby or toddler's sleep or settling, you need Sombell. Sombell is Australia's first online paediatric sleep clinic program for babies and toddlers aged 0 to 3 years. It contains all the best resources from the sleep clinics at Infant Sleep Australia, so you can rest easy and so can your child. To find out more, click the link in the show notes or visit sombell.infantsleep.com.au. Thank you.